Welcome to Behind Every Employer, where leaders in business and education from across the country share solutions for sourcing, training, and growing frontline talent to create the workforce of tomorrow. This broadcast is brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. To learn more, check us out at www.coabe.org or any of your favorite podcast sites. Now, here are your hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. Hello, Anson. How are hey, you? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Jeff? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I we usually don't we don't date material. We usually don't talk about things that recently happened. But I got to share this. It's yeah. uh, National Apprenticeship Week, oh, and yeah. you and I did a uh, podcast, a special podcast, celebrating it on Monday. And what yeah. a tremendous show! It was a lot of fun, and really got to hear about um, the awesomeness of apprenticeships across the country. So thanks. It was it was it was a lot of fun, and I know that um, we're we're pushing it out all this week across the country and sharing people. One of the most uh, one of the best tools for getting people uh, back into career pathways is using apprenticeships, and yeah. you know probably the most underutilized as well. So how are Absolutely. you? Absolutely, I'm doing great. Uh, enjoying the fall weather here. I'm rocking my Texas background here because we had such a brutal summer. And uh, now we're in some more pleasant weather, so I had to celebrate here. But yeah, it's been great. And uh, I thought that apprenticeship, you know, apprenticeship is such a great model. And I was so glad to get involved with promoting that. Um, and so happy to see, you know, over my career, I've seen apprenticeship really transform, I would say, um, over the years. And um, uh, I'm really excited about that. As equally excited as what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a really a, a, a little departure for us on behind every employer, um, because we're going to talk not about education and training, which is typically what this t- podcast is about, but about skills-based hiring, which is very related. But uh, this is really going to be about hiring and advancing and finding talent. And um, in our economic environment, of course, as you know, um, uh, it's just been really tough since the pandemic. It's just been almost excruciating in certain communities. Um, And so I uh, was really happy to uh, kind of kind of stumble upon this. Actually, I was, you know, talking to one of the the individuals on the podcast about doing something on education and training. And we started talking about uh, the skills-based hiring. And I'm like, let's do this episode on that because we need to bring our listeners something different. And it's on the tips of everybody's tongues. And I really think um, our group from Michigan today has a fantastic model to share with uh, us today. So we're going to be talking about skills-based hiring, hiring candidates, uh, really on their potential, not on their past experience. And, uh, you know, it's honestly, I'll be honest, something I was hearing about on the sides for a while, didn't really, I was not in that space of hiring um, like I've been in the past jobs I've had. And so I just kind of was like out of the loop myself until more recently and started, you know, catching up on that. So uh, I thought I'd bring it to the listeners here, and I'm really excited. We're going to be bringing in some of the best from Western Michigan today to talk about this. We've got Chad Patton, the Director of Development at West Michigan Works. You might remember we had a great podcast with Wendy Faub and, and Kevin Voss uh, from West Michigan just a few episodes ago. So Michigan's just rocking it on the Behind Every Employer podcast. <laughs> um, he's going to be joined by Marlene Rostrom, uh, who is the higher reach program manager. You're going to hear about higher reach a lot in this podcast because uh, that's the name of the, the program that um, we're going to be talking about with skills-based hiring. And then uh, the rubber meets the road with our employers, of course. And so 
we've got a, a, a Kenyatta Brame here, Executive Vice President and Chief Administrative Officer of Cascade Engineering, uh, a customer of this higher reach program. And he's going to really talk about, you know, what's behind uh, uh, the magic that's going on over there with higher reach and, and what they see in it from an employer's perspective that's different uh, and more kind of enhanced from previous hiring practices. So excited to bring this team in and uh, really get the discussion going to hear what's going on out there. Well, they're all, all right. here. The gang and is here. Yeah, the gang's all here. So uh, Chad and Marlene, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin with you and uh, kind of set the table for us about uh, Michigan, West Michigan Works and your roles there and kind of uh, uh, give us some uh, backdrop for our listeners out there about uh, what you do up there in West Michigan. Yeah, I'm happy to start us off. Uh, I'm Chad Patton, Director of Development and Innovation for West Michigan Works and West Michigan Works is the operations uh, of the Workforce Development Board for what we call Prosperity Region 4B in Michigan. Uh, so there are 16 Michigan Works agencies, and we're proud to be one of them. And our region uh, covers seven counties. So that's going to include the counties of Allegan, Barry, Ionia, Kent, Montcalm, Muskegon, and Ottawa. Took me a moment to learn those so I could rattle them off that quickly. But okay, good. You're going to get extra credit there with your uh, leadership. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things that I'll mention about West Michigan Works before I pass it off to Marlene is that we consider ourselves to be a solutions-driven system. So that means that we aim to understand the needs of our employer partners as well as our, um, our, our job seekers to come into our service centers and then provide solutions, right? So. Oftentimes, what you might typically see is that that's finding, uh, helping to get jobs and connect job seekers with jobs, but and then helping employers connect with job seekers as well. But what you're going to find today is that we are engaged in a lot of innovative uh, activities and hiring. Yeah. Them. Well, let's hear about it. Marlene, tell us about uh, what you're doing up there uh, in West Michigan and West Michigan Works. And uh, let us get introduced a little bit to Higher Reach because I really really drill down into this. Sure. No, thanks for having us. Um, yeah. So I'm a project manager at West Michigan Works, and I've been with the entity for 13 plus years. And, you know, if you think about Michigan Works, we serve employers and we serve job seekers. And I've always served on the employer side, which is fascinating. Apprenticeships, manufacturing console, things of that nature. So as Chad mentioned, right. we're always thinking about what are the solutions for the employers, right? Just as we're working with job seekers, what are they seeing? How do we help and serve the employers? So it was maybe 10 plus years ago, um, some, some of our subcontracts, some of this work was done with a, a major healthcare entity in West Michigan about how do we do hiring better? And they worked with an engineer um, and tried to look at how do we bring some of the manufacturing principles that are very prevalent, you know, continuous improvement, sure. lean, talent supply chain management, and apply that to the hiring space. So they piloted this way of thinking um, called evidence-based selection over 10 years ago had tremendous success with it. Um, and thankfully our region, we like to think like Chad mentioned, we're pretty innovative. Um, we're fortunate that we have an entity and a board and a bunch of private funders that support different types of work. And so they came to West Michigan Works and said, we're really fascinated with this project. If we give you some funding, could you see if you could put together a program and try and replicate it with a group of employers, right? We really wanna hone in on, was this something employer specific, a secret sauce, or is this something that we could apply to our employers in West Michigan and, 
and really see if we can make an impact. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I, I like how this is sounding already. And um, I really love this idea. I mean, we've all been through the hiring process. We have jobs, right? Um, but a lot of times uh, when you're on the, you know, depending on what side of the table you're on, you kind of feel like there's a lot more art than science to the job interview. And um, and sometimes the art is full of bias. Um, let's just pull it, put it out there. And one of the things that really spoke to me was this evidence-based model um, and really providing a more uh, objective um, uh, candidate selection process. Uh, and uh, I was, you know, listening to some of the, the, the videos that you guys have on higher reach. And I just loved, you know, uh, that approach to, you know, I mean, you were giving examples of people making decisions on hiring based on what university somebody went to and things like that. Like, we know this stuff happens. We've been in those meetings um, on either side of the table. And so I think you bring some great value. Plus, I see it as a huge, uh, as, uh, kind of a huge advance in terms of helping us uh, identify people that maybe in that standard interview model don't uh, rise to the top because of bias or because of other factors when they may in fact be the best candidate. So I, I just love that about it. The first thing, now Chad had me nervous when he began because he was starting to talk about, and of course I pulled him into it on purpose, but he, he was talking about the workforce areas and these regions and the counties and all this stuff. And I thought, this is, sounds like state bureaucracy. And <laughs> having worked in a state bureaucracy for 14 years in, in a workforce agency, I know exactly what he's talking about. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask uh, uh, Chad, you, you and uh, Marlene about is, Higher reach does not at all look like anything that comes out of a state government or a federal funded program. Um, and in fact, um, prepping for this podcast, I had to go root around to make sure that this was actually a public workforce system organization, because I can tell you, you know, in Texas here, we pride ourselves on being employer responsive and all of that. But by golly, I worked there for 14 years in, in the workforce agency. It still feels very bureaucratic to our employers. Uh, you guys have just totally, you know, taken that, that sheen off of it and put something completely new on top that I think is attractive. What's the story there? Because maybe others listening needs to take that little lesson learned about what you guys were trying, trying to accomplish, which I think is somewhat obvious, but tell us about it. And then um, kind of how has it been working for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk a little bit through that. So yeah, you know, we, we look at being the uh, public workforce system definitely as uh, a strength of ours, right? Yeah. And, and so that being in tune with our, with our clients, if you will, both job seekers and employers, we really do have that understanding of, of what's necessary and what's needed out there. So, um, so taking that solutions-driven approach, that really put us in a position where it made sense for us to yeah. start looking at how we can remove bias from the selection process. Sure. So, you know, without getting too technical of how we've sort of done things, we we really focused on our region in implementing higher reach within the first three years. And that was a good opportunity to pilot uh, this project. Uh, we, we definitely had made a lot of process improvements to it, uh, really drastic that Marlene might go into later. Yeah. And by the end of the three-year piloting process, uh, what we ended up 
doing was we created a separate 501c3 for a couple mm. of reasons. Yeah. One is actually uh, somewhat connected to the, the role that I have, which is development and innovation. It's, you know, I have a lot of projects that could be brought to scale, higher reach being one of them. Right. Uh, and so we definitely have seen that we have a number of innovations that we believe need to be brought outside of our seven county footprint, uh, not just to Michigan, but potentially uh, nationally, because they're hot topics and they're, you know, needs that need solutions. And we see skills based hiring as a hot topic. You know, oh, people yeah. are talking about it nationally. And so this this nonprofit called Strategic Workforce Solution uh, actually uses employees from the public our public workforce system at West Michigan Works. Uh, we we are able to carry over their expertise uh, in order to implement our innovative projects outside of our public workforce system. Which oh. which of course you know we we have federal state grants. We, yeah. we very much like to to maintain that what we call quasi-governmental status, yeah. but strategic workforce solutions lets us break out of that and bring these innovations to a larger scale. So you can speed things to market. You can reach across the aisle to your traditional public system, you know, yep. to connect to education and training resources and things like that, but you maintain the nimbleness and kind of the the ability to have a flexible business model. I mean, um, anyone right. that's worked in you know state or federally funded programs know that there's just some things you're not getting around in terms of bureaucracies. Um, so you guys, I, I just love that approach. Great um, uh, lesson there. I've heard of this before with public workforce systems, um, but never as acutely kind of focused on a specific topic here, uh, skills-based hiring. So I really love that, a really uh, kind of sharpened approach to that. And, uh, you know, the website looks great and all of that. I mean, it really, it really just uh, is attractive to our business partners out there for sure. Um, all right. So let's, let's move on here. I'm going to switch over to Marlene because she just loves this topic of skills-based hiring when it, it seems like Chad just backs up when uh, I, we start talking about this every time and she gets this glow around her uh, and a glint in her eye. So uh, I want you to help our listeners out here, Marlene. And first off, uh, let's start from the beginning, like define for us skills-based hiring and how is it different from traditional approaches to hiring that all of us are used to um, that we've seen in business and in public uh, service. Yeah, and I should press it. Well, I get really excited about this. If I go on too long, Anson, you just feel free to cut me off. So I will. <laughs> Jeff will hit mute. Yeah, he's got it. Okay, perfect. Well, I think you brought up a good point. Skills-based hiring has different definitions, right? We've yeah. heard a couple of different interpretations. At the very simplest form, we say, instead of using credentials, education, experience as a proxy for someone's ability to succeed or perform in a job, we're really honing in on skills. And we say those could both be occupational and then foundational. So at its very core, that's how we define it. If I really oversimplify skills-based hiring, I think what's fascinating to me is the market has kind of forced employers to look at this. So this topic has been all over. It's yeah. not new. You can go on LinkedIn, you can go on Sherm's website, and there's something about skills-based hiring. Sure. While it seems to make sense and it seems really simple, it's very complicated to execute when you start getting into competencies and hiring processes and sure. biases. I think what, what we see is that unfortunately, HR teams, right, have, you know, have gone through a major transition before COVID, even during COVID, where 
the market looks different. So maybe 20 years ago, they had their pick of the market, the baby boomers, women were entering the workforce and they could have have their picks, right? I remember right, when right. I started at Michigan Works, we would have lines around the door for job fairs. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. So what the other thing we try to look at is how do we equip HR teams to make decisions? In any other role in an organization, if you are in manufacturing, you are looking at your supplier, your quality, your, your, your parts. But in HR, we've just expected HR teams to go, you know, look at that resume, even though everyone does a resume different. Yeah. And sit with them for an hour and you should make a decision out of the five people who you think is going to yeah. be best fit for the job. So and then you start to see other people being brought in because everyone's nervous to make the decision. So yeah. really, we like to look at it. You know, a good analogy is Moneyball. If you haven't seen the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt, but it's yep. really trying to say, how do we apply the science, this data to really do a better job at predicting who we think is, is going to be a good fit for our organization? And there's a whole body of research that studies this. So we try to hone into the research. HireReach particularly looks at, like, we understand the theory. Employers buy into this topic. It's just really hard to execute. And how do we do it in a way that's not overwhelming and take years for employers to execute? I love this. So, I mean, so, you know, we all get, you know, if you, if you, if you've been a hiring manager, you know, you get to this point with your candidates and, you know, you're, you're pulling out your divining rod, trying to pick the right one. And, you know, you're hoping a unicorn will fly by and all these different things. Um, but, you know, it, you really get kind of vulnerable in that moment because you're really trying to make a big decision, fill a critical position. Um, and, and, and you realize how little you have to go on. Um, the resume is, you know, completely a form of art that, you know, is, is some representation of the individual's, you know, potential. Uh, the interview is another art form, you know. It, it, there's all these unique aspects. Objectivity is really kind of hidden in there. Um, so you guys are really bringing this aspect of objectivity, clearing out these biases and these things that kind of clutter uh, the the decision making process maybe, um, and so I really see that as 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 a powerful way to kind of help uh, kind of streamline that hiring process and take you know backfill a lot of that guessing with evidence and and I I I, I think it's interesting you know we have kind of a, a similar theme happening in education and training we've heard it on the news we've maybe lived it ourselves and seen it where you know all of a sudden degrees and credentials in the past were like the 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 the, the entry point you know the thing you had to have the gatekeeper for employment for advancement and all these other things and you see the colleges now with you big businesses saying you know we're going to remove all our degrees at certain job categories state governments doing the same thing which just a few years ago would have been heresy um to take the BA degree out of requirement out of manager's jobs or something. Um, and so I, I really love, we see this deconstruction um, because it's really throwing, you know, I've got a lot of, you know, friends that work in education and higher ed and they're just like, oh my God, you know, people don't care about degrees as much anymore. What are we going to do? You know, it's our stock and trade. So I really see this interesting theme um, and the technologies are also giving us the evidence that we need. You know, that's the other thing that was kind of elusive is like, now you can get stuff and so much great data at your fingertips so much quickly, more quickly. Um, so you just, we're really seeing this, the system kind of go through kind of a transformation. Uh, and, and I just love that. So tell me a little bit, I, I want to hear a little bit about how does it support, let's turn to the job seekers. So, you know, we're all in the business of working with job seekers that sometimes are 
looking for a big break in their lives, you know, building skills and, uh, you know, other, other types of things that have kept them from their career dreams. Um, how do you see skills-based hiring helping the job seeker? Yeah, so I, this is where, you know, it's interesting, right? This program started off with, you know, let's help employers, let's support employers. Yeah. But really, I, I feel like it levels the playing field for job seekers. So I think, yeah. you know, for historically career decisions, hiring decisions are based, like we said, on where you went to school, your background, your education. So if you didn't have those same opportunities, what people are judging you on in the interview process, um, so you, you might be at a disadvantage. I think the other thing is we're trying to work at, as a Michigan work standpoint, how do we give job seekers the same access to information about themselves and their skills? Yeah. Not just their occupational skills, but foundational skills. What are your career interests? And I often reflect at, you know, us, many of us in the professional setting, we have access to leadership training, dish training, personality assessments, team building. But most often, like those entry level workers, they don't ever get, they oftentimes don't get invested, in, right? Or they don't have the opportunity to learn about themselves. And where do you fit as a career and where are you going to thrive? So, I feel like this whole model of skills-based hiring is hopefully leveling the playing field yeah. and then letting individuals really understand what their skills are so they can advocate to the employer for themselves. Absolutely. And you said something I want to double, you said it twice. I want to make sure our listeners understand it and and, and, and it's just foundational skills. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, what are we talking about there? Reading, writing, yeah. math, English, uh, other things? Tell me about yeah. this. So I won't go into the technical definition, but yeah. if we say there's competencies or skills, I think of them as two buckets, occupation skills. You know yeah. how to weld, you know how to type. There's things to be able sure. to do the job. There's sure. these foundational skills, which some people call them soft skills. I'm not a fan of that term, but soft skills. So the easiest way we look at it is to say the occupational competencies allow you to do your job. The foundational competencies allow you to do your job well. So think of someone that's got problem solving, communication skills. And I always look at it to go, employers are fantastic about screening for occupational competencies, right? It's pretty easy to know how, how to assess a welder if you need a welder. Yeah, sure. But the difference between the high performers and the average performers are those foundational competencies and there's yep. money attached to that. So if you can really hone in on someone's foundational competencies, it can have a significant ROI for productivity in your workforce. Right, right. I, I used to have a boss years ago. Uh, he would say, uh, the soft skills are really the hard skills because they're the ones that are going to get you fired if you don't have them, you know. Um, so uh, this is really, really insightful. So I got one last question, and then I want to bring in Kenyatta uh, to, to hear about uh, how this is helping Cascade. Uh, so, but tell us, uh, Marlene, practically, describe for our listeners, uh, how does a business participate? Uh, is you've got thousands of businesses out there um, and, and I'm sure there's some process for kind of getting involved. Um, and, and then once, once you, once you get involved, what is the process forward? And you just real briefly here, kind of tell us how that works. Cause I, sometimes I think, you know, this is such a great idea. Everyone's signing up, you know, how can you manage that? You know? Sure. Yeah. And I would say, you know, even though we say, oh, there's so much work to be done in this HR space, yeah. employers are fantastic, right? So I feel like every sure. employer that's engaged with higher reach are what we call like the strivers. They're these companies that say, we want to be in the cutting edge. We care about employees. We want to do better. And I think, you know, we don't have it 100% figured out, right? We're always continuously improving and listening to the organizations we've worked with. And we've since worked with, I think, close to 50 organizations. So we focused on the science of evidence-based selection or skills-based hiring. But over our first year or two, listening to our organizations that have participated to say, how do we make a model that addresses some of the obstacles and barriers to implementing skills-based hiring? 
I often use the analogy like weight loss. It's really easy to say, I buy into it. I want to do it. But when the rubber yeah. hits the road, it's really hard to track your food yeah. and workout. So we've yeah. come up with a model. Um, we have since streamlined it. It's a five-month program. Employers sign up. They assemble a project team. We take them through some learning, some one-on-one -on -one consulting, and then some cohort learning. So the intent would right. be we're going to teach you about skills, <coughs> give you the tools that you need to collect the evidence. We're going to work with you one-on-one, -on -one, recognizing that each employer has different hiring practices, different candidate populations, and then we share best practices. So we work with the organizations for about five months. And then after that, we'll do some implementation support periodically throughout there. I love it. So so part of the winnowing process, if for lack of a better word, is that it, the, the employers aren't passive recipients here. They've got to get involved, dedicate time. Uh, do they need to have like certain types of data available? Or I mean, do they have to go in and, and revise their job descriptions? Like what does that internal process for the business look like? Yeah, and that's interesting. So we we've it really depends. So I would say we have core concepts that science and research tells us it makes an effective skills-based hiring process, but every organization comes at a different standpoint. So we, sure. when we meet with an organization and they're interested, we kind of go through like this employer readiness to say, where are you at? What's your appetite for change and what the organization wants to take on and where you want to go? And we talk through a solution. Some organizations aren't even tracking, you know, talent acquisition, right. key performance indicators. Some of them are really robust in the running processes. So what we try to say to the organization is if you want to make the effort and move forward, we will work at your pace. And let's make sure, again, this can seem overwhelming. Let's take baby steps here. Let's take baby steps and work. Some progress is better than none. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Very, very good. Very good. Okay. Let's bring in Kenyatta here. Um, I, I'm really eager to hear this from the Cascade perspective. And Kenyatta, uh, welcome. Thank you for uh, jumping in here because uh uh, I, I really think this is where we're going to hear uh, the evidence of, of what this looks like for Cascade. So tell our listeners a little bit about Cascade Engineering. Um, what do you guys do and what is your role there at Cascade? So um, good evening, everyone. My name is Kenyatta Brame and we are a manufacturer. We do large injection molding um, and we're in many different markets. So we're in markets of solid waste, um, automotive and furniture. Uh, we're an organization that has been around for 50 years, and we pride ourselves on being a triple bottom line organization, meaning that when we make decisions, we think about the three different capitals, people, planet, and profit. And this is really, this work we've been talking about, the higher reach work, really falls into the um, people category. Yeah. Fantastic. I love this. Um, and uh, being in plastic injection molding and manufacturing, in that region you're in, which I'm familiar with, uh, you've got a lot of competition up there for for talent. Um, and um, uh, I work in manufacturing too, and definitely, uh, I think you know, differentiating your abilities in different ways to attract yourself to job seekers is critical. And it's really encouraging to see that you guys have gone through this skills-based hiring approach. I want you to talk about um, your perspective on the value that you see in this process uh, and maybe do so in, in, in how it's different from what you guys were doing in the past. So um, we at Cascade Eng Engineering understanding understand that right now in Michigan and throughout the United States, we're in a, a, battle, a battle for talent. Yeah, and uh, we got to figure out a, a nonviolent way to to say that. But <laughs> um, but we're, we're what we understand that the, the markets are very um, different. 
Um, and um, I think Marlene hit it right. The, the, the baby boomer generation um, where we had, you know, a hundred applicants for every job, those days are over. And so we need to better understand right now the desires of our, of our applicant pool, of the talent pool. Yeah. We want to make sure that we are offering um, jobs and opportunities that they want. And I, we're finding that um, employees want to have careers, not just jobs. And so we have to make sure that we're providing that. As an organization, we realize that, um, that there are many barriers to employment and we've got uh, plans and, and, and policies and programs to help face some of those um, barriers. A barrier could be um, re-entry. So we've got plans that helping people yep. with criminal backgrounds finding jobs. For many employers, that's a that's a place where they eliminate the people. We haven't we haven't done that. We tried to expand our pool. We've got a welfare to career program where we help people that coming out coming out of poverty find employment and give them help them break down that barrier. Um, we have an anti racism um, program where we're trying to make sure that race is not a factor. And sure. these are many barriers that employees face. And this higher work reach expands that work. Um, we talked about you know um, a person may get chosen because I'm a University of Michigan grad and people might like yeah. me because I'm, I'm from Michigan, go blue. But that doesn't mean that I'm the best qualified right. person for that position. And that's a barrier um, um, for people. And what evidence-based um, hiring does is that, I think Marlene said it well, it levels the field, but it also expands the field. There may have been people that we would not have selected in the past because yes. we looked at their school or looked at their status or looked at a billion different things and eliminated them from the pool. And this program allows us to go deeper, widen our um, employment um, applicant pool and find candidates that we need. Um, we're in the process right now of, you know, we have to think about our future um, and we have to make sure that we have the talent now that's going to make us successful in the future. And this program has been successful in helping us do that. Right. Oh, I love this. And, and, and also, you know, being in manufacturing, you know, I live this every day too. Your your processes and your production environments are becoming so much more. They're they're evolving so quickly with automation and all kinds of advances. So you know, even even you know the job descriptions and and the model that you used to hire a year ago might be out of date now. You know, it, it's that situation too. Um, I, we we just had on um, a great guest from uh, Kawasaki in Lincoln, Nebraska one of our previous ep episodes uh, and he, you know, Kawasaki, they hired several thousand people in a massive plant there in, uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, you know, talking about just the, of course, the immigrant and refugee populations that are really the future workforce in many communities uh, in Texas, for sure. We are, you know, been living that for decades now where our net growth in our workforce is immigrant populations. So that also, has you having to really redesign your employment models um, to really think about how do we operate with these different populations and still be cutting edge with the technologies and automation. Um, and that's what I do in my daily job. And, and so I, I think the thing I haven't thought enough about myself, you guys are thinking about it and doing it is really like, how does that, how does the hiring process, not the training process, but the hiring process need to advance? So I'm really, really encouraged to hear you say that. And you guys are probably in full employment up there, right, Chad? I mean, um, there's not, there's close. probably one and a half people for every every position out there, right? So yeah. the concept of, of a person coming to a manufacturing job and, and pulling a lever yeah. as their job, those days are over. Oh, and yeah. So these individuals 
Uh, you talked about AI. We're moving. Yeah. More, I mean, in reality, because of our um, because in Michigan, our population isn't growing. That even makes AI and automation more important. Right. Yeah. And so, so the people that will remain in manufacturing have to have the ability to uh, work with um, automation, uh, understand um, com computers. So they might be on the press. They might have to fix the press. And so yep. this is why we need to make sure that in our hiring process, we understand what their skill sets are and understand what their future abilities are. One thing about um, this program is that we're not saying that you have to have it, but you have to be able to be trained for it. You have to be yep. able to grow. And we want people to grow with us as an organization. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, I mean, with technology and, and, and uh, it, it also, it's doing two things to me too. It's changing how we all have to think about those jobs. Like you said, it's not just pulling the lever, you know, now these are high tech jobs, you know, and that's a different way to market your jobs. The public is not thinking that when they say manufacturing, they're thinking gears and grease. Yes. Um, it's not that way at all. And so there's this branding aspect that I think is, is, is very critical. Uh, and it's one also that I think really challenges us to think about how do we think, how do we push that into the job seeker's eye and, and make parents that have their kids going through school think of these jobs completely differently. We're talking about generational changes here sometimes to kind of get those uh, thoughts across into people's minds. Um, and so I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm really excited to kind of hear that uh, is happening out there for you guys in such a great way. So I got one last question for you. Um, and, uh, and, and I want you to think if you can give us a great example of, of, of maybe an individual or someone that you guys have hired through this process uh, where maybe you maybe this might not have been the candidate that made it through in your traditional process. Or maybe you found somebody quicker than you might have because of the higher reach model in this skills based hiring. Do you have an example like that on the tip of your tongue? So, you know, when we were looking at originally when we were hiring entry level um, people, um, we probably had one position in mind. Right. So they were going to yeah. go and be an entry level um, operator yeah. um, through this process. We've been able to different identify different skill sets. Right. And so we may have discovered that this person could have been an excellent operator, but they have other abilities and they can now be a tech one or a die setter or material handler. And so through the process, we're able to learn about this, these different skill sets. And so their career path changed and, it, and they're able to reach higher levels in the organization quicker because we're already able to establish that they, they brought some um, yeah. skill sets with them. Oh, man, I love that. You know, one of my favorite topics, uh, a lot of people know this, is uh, skilled immigrants. You know, all the college trained immigrants that uh, may have weak English. And so we think, oh, low skilled. But in fact, they're engineers. Uh, and, uh, we probably want to hire those people cause they probably speak the language of half the people in our organization sometimes, you know, so you have a bilingual, biculturally savvy engineer on staff, but that's that hidden talent that a normal process is going to screen out and put them into an English class or something. Um, so really excited about that. I mean, so we see these advances happening in the hiring process in the production world of um, uh, the future. I mean, you guys are essentially an automation company that's in the business of plastic injection molding now. You know, you've kind of turned turned the turned it on its head. Um, but that means you have to really think about your candidates and and how you get those candidates uh, differently. So I want to bring Chad and Marlene back and uh, ask you guys if you have any insights on what's what are next steps for you guys in skills based hiring in terms of fine tuning and scaling 
uh, a model like this because it just seems like it holds so much potential for your community. Yeah, and I would say I look at that twofold, right? As one, we always yeah. have opportunity to do continuous improvements to our program. And one of the things we're realizing is organizations have this this change management, right? Changing the way an organization brings in talent is very yeah. personal, right? You're bringing someone on your team to be your coworker. So we've tried to build in some additional supports in our program to make our program better to help the organizations. Sure, sure. I think where we see some interest in the market, and I can't recall who said it earlier, but this fact of retention, right? People, I think it was you, Kenyatta, right? They don't just want a job, they want a career. And that's often more important than money. So we want to yeah. go, how do we use the same framework for skills-based hiring to support organizations and going, great, you brought them in. How do you help career path them? And then from a workforce development standpoint, we're, we're kind of piloting the sister project that uses the same pr um, framework to say, all right, how do we provide these you know, assessments and framework to individuals to help them understand so that they can navigate effectively to the right job? So many times people are just applying to anything here and there that they sure. think is within their reach. And it might not be a job that they're going to be a good fit for or that they're even going to thrive in. So we want to, I guess, make these career decisions a little bit more accurate. Right, right. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Chad, you wanted to chime in. Yeah, I'll I'll just add a little bit to that. I, I and kind of piggybacking off of Marlene too. I I kind of put two camps of scaling. Right, there's one camp of we we obviously want to get higher reach in the hands of of more employers sure. uh, throughout Michigan and and throughout uh, our nation. Right. Uh, so that's one element of scale that we are working on. The second, though, is exactly what Marlene was talking about. We are providing evidence-based resources to employers to make evidence-based decisions. So what happens if we provide that same evidence, you know, that really that same data to the job seekers themselves? And that's the, the project that Marlene's talking about that we are piloting. In fact, we piloted it over three years uh, with a company called Trinity Health call, and the project was Rise Up. And it mm. took this model that came out of Cleveland Clinic that said, what does it look like to really focus on getting individuals, getting job seekers from outside of an organization in? So it's an outside in and inside up framework. Sure. And then the inside up is putting resources, you know, and I know that this is a, this this podcast focuses on basic skills. So if we're looking at basic skills, right, how are we training in basic yeah. skills and beyond to get people into an employer and then invest in them that, so that they can be successful, retain and move up within that employer's organization? Fantastic. Yeah, you were thinking you were channeling me there because I kept thinking, you know, the whole time you're working through this process with your employers, you're getting really good data that is going to inform your training programs, your 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 workforce development programs, your basic education programs—you're really building a bench of of knowledge and skills on your labor market as well as your employer, uh, kind of the nuances of employer demand um, that you just don't get at all in a traditional hiring approach at all. You know, it's just like elusive. Um, this is fantastic. We are going to, uh, I, we could talk all night on this thing because I'm getting real excited about this and want to learn more, but we have got to break away and do our lightning round here. So this is where we're going to come back and each of you give our listeners one thing that can go back and do based on our conversation um, uh, about skills-based hiring, whether, you know, tell an employer about something or do something within your own organization. So think about that and we'll be right back. Jeff, take it us out.
You've been listening to Behind Every Employer with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. It's one thing to talk the talk, but in the lightning round, which is coming up, we walk the walk with action steps. You can listen to Behind Every Employer podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or find us on your favorite podcast venue. Okay, we're back. All right, I'm going to I'm going to pick on people here and go around so we can go through this here cuz we're running long here. Uh Chad, I'm going to go with you. One one thing that you want our listeners to take away from this conversation today. One thing. I you know, I'm going to let Marlene pitch uh higher reach and so my one thing is uh, connect with your local workforce development board. That that's my yeah. big pitch here. We are here to support j- both job seekers and businesses and employers alike. So I love that one. I, I, I would say, and this is going to be mine, I was going to say too, you know, not all workforce boards are created equal. And you guys are definitely with higher reach reaching out there into kind of like the the the, the high high level of advancement. But um, all of them have some sort of business service unit. And I used to work in one. Uh, I worked at one of the state and the local level. So my recommendation is if you're an employer out there, um, because a lot of times our workforce systems are seen as the unemployment office, but within those systems are business service individuals whose job, I mean, my job when I woke up in the morning was to serve businesses. Uh, it wasn't to schlep job seekers, you know, into jobs or anything like that. It was a, to serve businesses and, um, and and they exist out there. So uh, I'll, I will uh, second Chad's uh, call to action and say, dig deep into those organizations in your communities, uh, the American Job Centers, uh, they may go by that in your community and look for the business service units or business service representative units. Uh, those are going to be the folks that um, will be speaking to you if you're a business uh, uh, owner or business uh, working business. So uh, Marlene, all right, you 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 got the the star action here with higher reach. So so charge our listeners with something there. Chad was so kind and yeah, holding that off for you. Yeah, I, I would say you know. If I had to give advice right to an employer is to start somewhere, just start, right? I think that's first and foremost. And I think a good place to start, and here's my plug for higher reaches. We do have, um, we published a guidebook, right? It's kind of a A to Z on everything related to evidence-based selection, things you should consider, you know, a framework in the model. And that is available for free on our website. So it's- Tell us where we can get that. Where can we get this- on the website, West Michigan Works or the Higher Reach website? It would be Higher Reach. So it would be www.higherreach.org. Perfect. Easy. All right. I love that. Uh, the guidebook. Let's go check that thing out, Jeff. Uh, Kenyatta, I'm turning over to you now. As the business representative on the call here, uh, what's one thing you want to charge our listeners with, please? I would charge every employer to, first of all, make sure they understand their why. Why should an employee want to work um, for you? Um, at the same time, I, I challenge us to make sure we understand if there are barriers that are preventing them from working with you, how can you address them? One of the great ways that you can address a barrier in hiring is using a program like Hire Reach to make sure that we have equity and equality through our process. So I challenge every employee to look at themselves to make sure we're doing the right thing for our communities and for your business. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned the triple bottom line earlier. So I love that. And a great, great, great uh, signpost there for our employer listeners out there. And Jeff, I'm going to swing around to you here to close us out. Yeah. So I've been sitting here taking notes. You have. I I saw the pen, man. 
because uh, I've done a lot of work in the workforce development field and uh, you, you've all struck a number of chords. But for me, the takeaway was that, um, and I think a few of you mentioned it, it's really about skills-based um, hiring is looking at um, helping people understand how to do the job but the most important piece is um, how to keep the job, that retention piece, yeah. and really getting, pe getting uh, people to understand the value that they bring into the workforce and knowing that um, oftentimes it's not just about that skill set. It's about those essential skills, I call them, because there's nothing mm -hmm. soft or easy about them. They're essential yeah. skills in life. So, um, yeah, great discussion. It was awesome. And I, I think um, this is definitely a model that other states should be looking at and, and following and, and definitely want to check out the Higher Reach uh, handbook that's out there. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank everybody uh, for your time today and our listeners out there, please like us, subscribe, leave us a, a comment, give us a five-star review and check us out at behindeveryemployer.org. Jeff, take us out for another great episode. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Behind Every Employer with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. If you like the show, please follow us and tell your friends and colleagues. This broadcast has been brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. You can find us at www.coabe.org. You can listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, or on your favorite podcast site. If you'd like to be a guest on Behind Every Employer, please contact us at behindeveryemployer at coabe.org.